Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Sierra Vista, the official podcast of the city of Sierra Vista. I'm your host, Public Information Officer Adam Curtis, and this week we're sitting down with Sierra Vista Police Chief Adam Thrasher. This is National Police Week, and Saturday, May 25th, is National Peace Officers Memorial Day. We'll talk to Thrasher about our local remembrance video, which we filmed in partnership with the Cochise County Sheriff's Office and other area law enforcement agencies, and how people can take the time to honor the 29 law enforcement officers in Cochise County who have lost their lives in the line of duty. We'll also discuss how the Sierra Vista Police Department recently earned its Kalea accreditation for the third straight time. The department has maintained this gold standard in law enforcement since first obtaining it in 2014. And we'll talk about new recruits joining the SVPD ranks by graduating from the Southeastern Arizona Law Enforcement Training Academy. We'll also talk about a new grant-funded scanner system being installed in patrol vehicles and how local residents can join the upcoming Citizens Police Academy. It sounds like we've got plenty to cover, so let's get to the interview. Hi, Chief. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Adam. Uh, so this is uh, National Police Week, so I thought it was a good time to bring you in again. Um, uh, earlier this week on Monday, uh, this podcast comes out on a Friday, uh, we released um, a video, a kind of a remembrance video uh, in partnership with the Sheriff's Office and law enforcement throughout the county, um, kind of honoring uh, law enforcement officers who have died in the line of duty here in Cochise County. Um, and that's what National Police Week is kind of all about. Um, what, is, what does this week mean to law enforcement officers and their families? Uh, well, it, it um, you know, it, it's honoring those that have made the ultimate sacrifice. This is this can be a very dangerous job. Uh, since the first recorded uh, law enforcement death in the United States, over 22,000 law enforcement officers have lost their lives in the line of duty. Uh, and I, I think we lose sight of that sometimes in this country uh, as, you know, we see that what's going on in the news and, of course, all the TV shows that that depict it in certain ways to to understand that this this happens regularly. We, we lose over 150 officers a year. Uh, I think we're averaging about 170 over the last five years per year mm-hmm. uh, officers uh, that uh, die in the line of duty. Uh, you know, just last night, uh, two officers were killed in Texas uh, in a shootout. Uh, so I, I think it, it's important, uh, just like we honor those that, that have made the sacrifice in our military, to do that uh, with our law enforcement officers as well. Because uh, day in and day out, they, they put on their uniform, they put on a vest, uh, they put on their gun belt, and they go to work to, to uh, serve and protect this, their communities. And to to honor those that have made that ultimate sacrifice, I think is very important. Absolutely. Um, and and how can residents kind of help honor those who have sacrificed their lives in the line of duty this week? I, I know there's a memorial over at the PD, right? There is a memorial over at the PD that was uh, built by an Eagle Scout uh, as part of his his project, so they could they can come and visit the memorial. Uh, these are our law enforcement officers from Cochise County uh, mm-hmm. that have have uh, died in the line of duty. Uh, they can go on different sites. There's the, the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a big uh, celebration this week. Uh, and they yeah, there's a, there. a vigil, I believe, on Wednesday night, so people can go back and watch that. It will be streamed live, I believe, on their YouTube channel. Yeah. Exactly. They can keep track of these type of things on the Officer Down Memorial page. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have abilities to do donations and stuff to families and that kind of stuff if they if they feel so inclined. But I would say just on the basic level, just take the time to 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 think and, re- and remember and, and be thankful for those that, that will go out and, and uh, protect people's lives that they don't even know. Absolutely. And 
and I find in Sierra Vista, it really feels like a law enforcement supportive community. Uh, do you guys really see that too? Uh, we do. Uh, yeah. We we regularly every week get get thank yous into the police department. Uh, people bring in food. They they send in gift cards. They do all kinds of things for us in this community, and and we are very appreciative uh, of the support that we get here. Absolutely. Um, and then just last week, on, on a happier note, uh, SVPD, SVPD welcomed uh, Samuel Brady and Michael Camparoni uh, to its team after they graduated from the Southeastern Arizona Law Enforcement Training Academy. Um, so can you talk a little bit about uh, what uh, new police officers go through in terms of training um, and also how this local academy might might help you guys in terms of uh, bringing more more folks on board? Uh, absolutely. So uh, after the hiring process, which is pretty extensive, it usually takes about six months to get, get through the hiring process. If you're one of the lucky ones to get through a, a selection process, uh, you go to a, a, an Arizona certified academy uh, in the state of Arizona. And... Uh, it's, it's 17 weeks, and they're getting ready to expand it uh, a few mm -hmm. more weeks and add some more curriculum as part of the state curriculum. And, and they're taught uh, every, every academy in the state teaches the same uh, curriculum uh, based on the Arizona Peace Officer Standards and Training Board outlines. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they go through the academy 17 weeks. Uh, if they graduate from the academy, and they, they take a test every week, and then they take a comprehensive exam at the very end, Field training, uh, field problems where they get out and they, they put them in scenarios. Uh, they have to pass firearms training, pass driver's training, pass defensive tactics training. Um, when they get out of that, uh, they go to their local agency, and each agency uh, uh, does their training at, at their agency a little differently. Mm -hmm. uh, we, it's called field training. Uh, ours is, is 13 weeks uh, of field training where they are with uh, a training officer that sits in the car with them every single day <clears throat> during that time and, and grades them, essentially. And we call it a daily observation report. So they get a report card every single day on their performance uh, for those 13 weeks. And it could last longer depending on how the, the training goes. Mm -hmm. um, and they go through three different training officers, so they get a different experience with each training officer to, to show them how to do the job. And it's basically on-the-job training. Mm -hmm. um, they're still considered officers in training at that time. They're not allowed to go do things on their own by agency policy. Okay. Uh, by state law, they could. I see. Um, because they're certified peace officers and they're working for an agency. Mm -hmm. uh, but agency policy uh, uh, will only allow them to do stuff with, an, with another training officer during this training phase until they graduate from the field training program and they're released on their own to a shift. Gotcha. Um, and I know this uh, local uh, law enforcement training academy is still relatively new. Uh, can you remind us kind of how that started and what, what the purpose of that is? So um, we uh, used to send our recruits to both uh, the uh, Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Training Academy, which is run by Tucson Police Department, or the Phoenix Regional Police Academy mm -hmm. is where we used to send them. Um, uh, about 2018 or so, uh, we were notified that they were going to start charging uh, a, a bunch of money to, to, to send each recruit, uh, one that we really couldn't afford as a, as a small agency. Mm -hmm. uh, about the same time, Cochise College was in the plans, developmental stages of uh, creating a self-sponsored uh, part-time academy mm -hmm. uh, that would last a full year. Um, the sheriff uh, got with uh, 
J.D. Rottweiler with the college and, and myself, and we all sat down and, and said we now have a need for a full-time academy locally. Right. Um, and so that's how that got kicked off. Uh, first class, I believe, was in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had uh, 10 recruits go through the academy uh, and graduate uh, from the academy uh, since that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's to me, it's really important. It's now local. Uh, the Cochise County Sheriff's Office, service to police department, uh, our instructors uh, pick up the bulk of the instruction at the academy. Mm. Uh, now, some of the other local uh, agencies can, can instruct as well, uh, but the bulk is picked up by the Sheriff's Office and us and, and the intergovernmental agreements between the city of Sierra Vista, Cochise County Sheriff's Office, and the college to run the academy. Gotcha. Um, and obviously you're still hiring now, um, so you're looking for more police officers to fill the ranks. Um, you know, why, why is this a, a good place to work as, as a law enforcement officer? Uh, well, I, I think you, you brought up earlier about how much support uh, that we get in this community. So this, these are trying times to become a police officer. You have to really think hard about whether or not you want to get into this profession. Uh, so I, I think you want to identify a place that supports their law enforcement, and Sierra Vista is such a place. Um, and our agency uh, provides all kinds of training, a bunch of training. I, I would put our training up against any agency in the state uh, in terms of preparing you to do this job properly mm-hmm. um, so that you can be successful and safe uh, as you move out through your career. Um, we pay pretty well uh, for uh, in comparison to, to other, other agencies. Uh, mm-hmm. You get a good starting wage. Uh, overtime's off. You know, you can get overtime as well. Uh, while you're working as an officer. Uh, so, uh, you know, great benefits for the city in, in terms of health insurance and, and everything else and uh, in terms of uh, getting your, you know, building your nest egg for retirement and mm-hmm. such. So, Yeah, and then talking to officers, uh, doing like uh, Facebook posts about them and doing recruitment plugs and stuff like that. Uh, one of the things that they've said they really appreciate is it feels like the department has their back. Um, it also feels like the community has their back too. Um, and like you said, in a difficult job when you're you know, under the microscope at all times and you have to be very vigilant about everything, um, that's really important. And to have that support and the training and the opportunity to um, you know, do, what, do what you wanna do. Like if you wanna become a canine officer, if you wanna go into detective work, um, there's a lot of opportunities even though it's a, a somewhat small department. Uh, absolutely, and that's, that's one of the things that we, we promote. Uh, you know, we're, we're relatively, we're what we considered a mid-sized agency, even mm-hmm. though we're on the smaller side of that. So at, you know, 67 authorized positions, um, actually 68 authorized positions, um, you know, you would think there wouldn't be a lot of great opportunity there, but we have everything that every uh, large agency has, just maybe not at the size of it. So mm-hmm. if you want to become a detective, uh, we have major crimes detectives, we have property crimes detectives, we have narcotics detectives, we have a couple canines, uh, we have a, a SWAT team that you could do as a collateral duty and all kinds of instructor positions from firearms instructor to defensive tactics instructor to uh, physical fitness instructor. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity there. And in the next five to 10 years, there's going to be even more opportunities at our agency. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of retirements coming up, including a bunch of us in the command staff mm-hmm. uh, in the next five years. And so if you come into the agency now, uh, in, a, in a few years, there's going to be promotional opportunities as well uh, right. within the department. So there, there's a lot of, of exciting opportunities for new uh, officers that are coming into the agency at this point. Absolutely. And, and for 
you know, officers that do join the department. Um, the department recently re-earned kind of the gold standard in uh, law enforcement certification. Uh, that's through the Commission on the Accreditation of Law Enforcement Agencies. Um, and that really shows that, you know, you're joining a department that holds itself to that high standard. And when we talk about community support, I mean, you have to earn that. And you have to earn that all the time. It's not something that, you know, you, you get and you're done with it and you don't need to think about. But um, kind of talk about, uh, you know, the choice to seek that accreditation. And I think that was back how many years ago? Maybe eight years ago? 2014 is when yeah. we got our first uh, accreditation. And, and actually, this has been in the work for many, many, many years. I, I've been with the department for 25 years. I remember getting hired, uh, the command staff, talking about accreditation at that point mm -hmm. and trying to get us to a point where we can we could become accredited. And, and that, that involves a review of all your policies to make sure they meet the, the standards that CALEA sets for different parts of your department. Mm -hmm. um, so once you uh, make the commitment to CALEA to become accredited, you have three. You had three years to to get the initial accreditation, uh, which we received in 2014. Okay. And you know, again, went through basically. You go through all your policies. The, the CALEA has standards on uh, seven, eight different areas of the department that you're supposed to have. Um, there's there's you know a couple hundred standards that you have to fit, you have to abide by. Mm -hmm. And um, so you go through that process um, and they review your policies and they come in and they do an assessment at your agency to make sure that you're following your policies and mm -hmm. that uh, find out what your community thinks of you. And, and they've changed it over the years. Initially, it was every three years uh, you did a reaccred. So we got uh, 2014 was our initial accreditation. Then we were reaccredited in 2017. And then they switched it to a four-year cycle. Uh, which I actually think is better because what they do now is every year they review a quarter of your policies mm -hmm. and then they do the on-site at the, on, during that fourth year. So instead of them just reviewing everything in one year, year three, and then coming right. in, every year they say, give us these policies and then you don't know which ones are going to be mm -hmm. and, and make sure that we're following those standards. So I, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, so you really have to maintain it throughout. It's not something that you get ready for every four years. It's really a constant process. Right. And we have a full-time person. That's our, our, our CLE administrator. She's a management analyst, and, and uh, she uh, she makes sure that we're, we're in that process. And and then CALEA updates their standards uh, every year, a couple times a year. So they have four conferences a year, and, and they meet, and if there's – if something new comes up or they think something needs to be changed, they put it out to the membership for, for comment, and then they will and, uh, issue the new standard that you have to meet. So uh, the important part for me is that this is a, a process of continual improvement. Uh, long ago, I had a chief tell me that what you don't pay attention to doesn't get done. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I was a patrol officer at the time, and I didn't really – it didn't really impact me until I'm now and uh, here now as the chief, and, and, and that's absolutely true. So this actually forces us to pay attention, right. uh, whereas you get to the day-to-day -day activity, sometimes you lose track of those things, and this, this forces us to keep track of it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, another another kind of project uh, just getting started this week actually is the police department's women's locker room uh, project uh, is getting started. So you guys are expanding the women's locker room. Uh, can you talk about kind of why that was necessary? Sure, we are expanding the women's locker room. Um, so, uh, well, it's because we're overcrowded in the women's locker room, which is a great thing. Mm -hmm. uh, we are definitely hiring more women into the profession, which I think is very important. Uh, nationally, the average is about 12% of police departments um, 
are uh, are filled by by women, and and uh, our police department sits at just under 16% at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we got to that point where uh, it was actually kind of a it was a funny story that I was just going in doing inspections, and I, I walked in. You know, an inspection in the women's locker room. Nobody was in there, I swear. <laughs> and uh, and I started counting the lockers and the names on it, and I started realizing that we had one left. And yeah. so I uh, went to the city manager said, we need to expand the women's locker room. It's pushing into the men's locker room, uh, which will lose a, a few of the men's lockers, but we have plenty in there. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it's important to to provide that space for them as well so they feel welcome as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's something we've seen with this department is just naturally it's not something that's forced is just, you know, diversity rep- representation through, you know, through ranks and leadership positions. And I think it's kind of reflective of our community. We have a, a diverse community and, and I feel like our, our police force does does match that. Uh, absolutely. And I, I think it's important in our selection process that we don't we we are looking for good people mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter where they come from or, or you know, what, which age, sex, gender, we hire retired, uh, you know, military officers mm-hmm. regularly. We hire, you know, people in their 30s, 40s, some in their 20s. And, and I think that diversity of thought is important as well. So they come in and, and uh, I truly believe uh, that, that leadership runs throughout our whole department. And I, I believe there's a, uh, it's very important that people lead up. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the ranks. And, and I learn a lot from our officers and, and the different thought processes as we hire new people uh, and what they think is important uh, as we d- develop as an agency. Absolutely. Um, and then another little piece of news we released recently was uh, the department got a governor's office of highway safety grant to implement a new scanner system and its patrol vehicles. Um, I believe this is called the Arizona Traffic and Criminal Software. Um, so if you could make some sense out of what that actually means for folks. Sure. Be great. So the acronym <laughs> is AZ Tracks. Uh, it's actually a program run by the Arizona Department of Transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a program that was developed by the Iowa Department of Transportation that allows officers to fill out forms, uh, so traffic accident forms, citations, impound forms from the patrol cars with self-populating programming to save time for officers. So uh, Arizona Department of Transportation has a contract with Iowa uh, Department of Transportation to implement this software in the state of Arizona. So actually ADOT it's free for us to implement the software uh, mm-hmm. through ADOT. We sign an agreement with them. Uh, ADOT maintains the software, allows the licensing in to come into the city of Sierra Vista. Uh, we just have to pay for the equipment in the vehicles, uh, which includes a, a driver's license scanner. So when you scan the driver's license, it self-populates the, the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a printer, obviously, for those forms and the citations, as well as the electronic transmission. Uh, and we received that uh, the governor's office of highway safety and gave us a grant to purchase those printers and scanners uh, for those vehicles. Gotcha. So it'll really improve uh, if efficiency on these traffic stops, hopefully. Uh, it will. Um, <laughs> so the idea, obviously, is the traffic stops are very dangerous. We're out on mm-hmm. the side of the road. Uh, we got uh, cars parked. Uh, you will see, uh, you know, we talked about National Police Week, and there are officers that are killed on the side of the road writing tickets, mm-hmm. writing warnings, just uh, talking with drivers. So we want to make sure that is as, as efficient, as quick as possible. So this will this will help with that. Uh, we also are also uh, paying to uh, integrate this, this program with our uh, department's record management system. So it'll also populate our record management system so it saves our records clerk's time as well. Mm-hmm. So they won't have to manually enter the data into, into our system. Uh, so it'll save their time to be able to provide uh, the better services to the community as well. 
Gotcha. That's awesome. And yeah, we're, we're talking a little bit about so many different things the police department does. We didn't even talk about animal control or other areas, but there's kind of so much that goes on behind the scenes that people don't often get exposed to, I guess. Um, and I guess just recently, um, I don't know if it's wrapped up yet, but the Citizens Police Academy that I think it was delayed a little bit due to COVID uh, did finally get running and you guys were able to move forward with that. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what citizens, you know, gain through this program? It is a free opportunity for adults, I believe. Sure, yes. So our Citizens Police Academy started years and years ago under Chief Montgomery. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's, it's an education program at the department to educate the public about what we do, how we do it. Uh, but also in those interactions, it's also an opportunity for people to ask those questions, uh, you know, those, those hard questions of us as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we're actually only, I think, four weeks into the academy right now. Okay. Uh, it was supposed to be last fall. Uh, we delayed it due to COVID, uh, and they're, so they're not even quite halfway through at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we will kick another one off the fall of this year as well. Uh, so they come in. It's 12 weeks. Uh, this current class is in 10 weeks due to the, due to the shortened mm -hmm. version of it. But mm -hmm. uh, it's normally 12 weeks, three hours on a Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. And they come in and they get, uh, you know, taught uh, different things like constitutional law, history of our department of the two classes that I mm -hmm. teach. Mm -hmm. But they'll learn about narcotics investigations. They'll learn about our SWAT team. They'll learn about, uh, uh, you know, burglary investigations, major crimes. They'll learn about all those different things that we do. Uh, to even to the point where they will uh, get to participate in a judgmental firearms decision-making process like we're trained mm. to do. Uh, you know, those uh, Arizona Post requires officers to go through judgmental training uh, at least once a year. We do it a couple times a year, and we use a program for that, uh, a computer program and uh, with a big screen and a video. And mm -hmm. uh, so they get to participate that well and see uh, just how difficult this job can be uh, at times. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, if folks want to apply for that. Uh, applications are due by Friday, June 4th. Uh, and we have information online on the city's website at servicetoaz.gov. And you can always just stop by the police station, I think, and talk to Lily Perry, the recruiter as well, right? Yes. And they can pick up the application right there at the front desk as well. Okay, awesome. And then if uh, folks are interested in uh, working for the police department, we all, um, but I believe they would also contact Lily, correct? That is uh, correct. And and uh, for those out there that, that may not be interested in being an officer but have other interests, we have other positions that periodically come open as well. We have records clerks. Um, obviously, uh, you know, our dispatchers come out of CECOM uh, mm -hmm. that, that uh, has some availability as well. So it's not just the, the law enforcement uh, and the law enforcement agency. It's not always about the officers out on the street. I mean, that's what you see. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Everybody else that's in support is required to make the, the agency run efficiently and and and. Uh, they're just as important. You just they're just behind the scenes. Absolutely, and yeah, I've, I've met a lot of the Seacom dispatchers and stuff, and and that's a tough job too. And they don't they don't get the kind of uh, credit in the public eye as, as much. Um, you know, it is behind the scenes, uh, but in a way, they're the first first responders because they're they're on the phone with you. You know, helping you render aid in certain situations, like giving you the help before the first responders even get there. Absolutely. And and uh, so, you know, you dial 911, you want somebody to answer that phone, and that's who answers it. Uh, and, you know, through CECOM, we've, we've implemented the emergency medical dispatch now. Mm -hmm. uh, so they can start giving those instructions over the over the, the phone uh, until, until uh, medics or the police department arrives uh, to provide assistance. So they're just as important. They're always looking for people to, to become dispatchers. And, mm -hmm. and so I always encourage people to do that as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, obviously, you've been in the profession for a, a little while now, but uh, do you think it's important to have a certain mentality for any of these jobs or to kind of join join this kind of area of work? I, I think it is very important. You, know, you have to have a service mentality, mm-hmm. um, not only service and in, in tr- trying to provide and help people, but to understand that there are risks with this job mm-hmm. and, and that we, when you take this job, you accept a certain amount of risk to your personal safety to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- you have to really do some soul searching. Are you willing to do that for strangers mm-hmm. uh, is really what it boils down to. Uh, and uh, so if, if you're one of those people, we'd love to have you apply. Uh, we're always looking for people and we will be hiring quite a bit of few, quite a few people in the next few years. Absolutely. So yeah, it's a it's a really good opportunity for the right folks, and I'm sure the the payoff is, is great in terms of just the the satisfaction you get. I mean, it's not like you're just showing up to a job, quote unquote. It really is more than that. It is, and, and every day is different. You yeah. don't know what you're going to get every single day. I mean, some days can be pretty boring. Other days, uh, you know, you're it, you're you're wondering what did I get myself into. Uh, <laughs> but in the end, it's a very rewarding profession. Uh, I've just finished my 25th year. Uh, doing it, and uh, I can't imagine I've done anything else with my life. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Chief. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Let's Talk Sierra Vista. As always, you're invited to join the conversation by sending your comments, ideas, or questions to pod at sierravistaaz.gov. That's pod, P-O-D, at sierravistaaz.gov. Take care, everybody.